Welcome to the GBC Sermon Podcast, a weekly podcast from Gaimia Baptist Church in Sydney, Australia. I'm Mark Rader, Senior Pastor here at GBC, and I trust that you hear the invitation of God as you join us today. Our theme for Easter this year has been regeneration, inspired by the somewhat miraculous regeneration of the Australian bush after fires. This is the imagery that we are using to reflect on the hope we have in Jesus' resurrection. Good to see you this morning, and uh, as I've commented a few times since uh, the start of the year, I no longer take that phrase for granted. It's good to see you. Uh, Every week there are more and more people who have kind of come back for the first time since last March. If you are one of them, welcome in particular. If you're visiting with us because you're with family or friends over the weekend uh, or for whatever reason, I trust that you feel really welcome and stick around for a cup of coffee after the service. We'd love for you to get to know us a little bit uh, uh, over this Easter weekend before you get to whatever else you have on uh, because these are busy weekends sometimes as well. Um, Our theme over Easter has been wrapped around this the theme of regeneration, which has been inspired by the regeneration that takes place in the Australian bush. And I recognize that I'm from Canada, maybe that's why I find it so fascinating, but uh, the imagery was sparked for me from an article that I read a number of months ago about pink flannel flowers. I'm wearing my pink flannel flower shirt, by the way, just, you know, I'm on point today, just like Lisa and her (laughs) pants was fantastic. So um, it was an excuse to wear this shirt um, and and whatnot. Um, But pink flannel flowers, I don't know if you you have seen them or read anything in the paper about them, but they're these amazing little flowers that are blooming right right now uh, up and down the east coast of New South Wales in particular. Uh, And what makes them so remarkable is not just that they're these beautiful pink flowers, uh, but that they only appear rarely. And there are two conditions that have to be met for these flowers to germinate and bloom. And that is that fire must be followed by a lot of rain. So fire and flood takes place and then a year later these flowers actually begin to show up. I uh, stumbled across a blog when I was looking for images uh, of these little flowers. Uh, I'm assuming he's probably a bushwalker of some sort. Maybe he's, into, maybe he's into flowers. I don't know exactly. I didn't bother to read too much out it. But there was this comment thread at the bottom. Uh, he had posted an article in 2011 about these little pink flowers that he had found uh, and uh, what he had learned about them. And then there was this comment thread. And the comment thread ran to about 40 comments. And had, it had been added to from 2011 all the way through to 2021. Uh, And it was essentially a thread about where have you seen these flowers since? And they had shown up again in 2015 and again in 2021. So they are very rarely found, but when they are found, they just kind of cover the hills and the areas where there had been previously fire and then flood. And I thought, what a remarkable image for us. I mean, not only does their appearance at this point in the year remind us that a year ago there was literal fire and flood that we went through, and so they're a symbol of that, but kind of metaphorically 2020 was a bit of a fire and a flood, wasn't it? Uh, And one year later, the opportunity for us to reflect then on the regeneration that comes through the resurrection of Jesus. And so that that kind of sparked, pardon the pun, a whole bunch of thoughts for me uh, uh, wrapped around regeneration and what it is that Jesus does for us. Uh, what it is that we are celebrating uh, when we come together on Easter, because it's not just to celebrate the miracle of someone coming back to life. There's more to it than that. 
And so I want to begin by just drawing your attention to one feature of these pink flannel flowers that I think is particularly significant. And that is that their beauty, that their fragility, that their delicateness is itself not just a symbol of beauty and fragility and delicateness. It's actually a symbol of the fire and flood that preceded it. When we appreciate pink flannel flowers, we have to appreciate them in context, if I can put it that way. Their very appearance reminds us that there was fire and there was flood. If those things had not happened, if death had not preceded them, we would not be able to appreciate their beauty. And at one level, this sounds completely like, uh, where are you going with this? Because I don't know how you're gonna spin that simple concept out for 20 minutes, because death always precedes resurrection, right? There's a reason Good Friday comes before Easter Sunday. In order for Jesus to be physically raised from the dead, he had to physically die. But the priority of death for resurrection is actually really significant if we, shall I say, reverse engineer it for a moment, right? So we talk about physical death and then we look forward to physical resurrection. I mean, Paul in this uh, part of the letter in Corinthians is speaking in part about the hope that we have in a physical bodily resurrection. And again, not to belabor the point, but in order for us to experience the physical bodily resurrection, we will need to physically and bodily die, right? Death precedes resurrection. But Paul here is actually speaking about something, shall I say, a little bit more significant about the resurrection. Because while we hold to a bodily resurrection, this is part of our great hope, right? It's not just, uh, it's, it's not just the idea that Jesus was raised from the dead and we kind of go, wasn't that fantastic? What an incredible miracle. It's also that we then can place our hope in that future. That's part of what makes this day such a significant one as we mark the fact that we have a hope and a future. But the, 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 the view that the resurrection only speaks to a bodily resurrection after we die undersells the impact of the resurrection. It undersells it because what it essentially makes resurrection to be is a bit like an insurance policy or a get-out-of-jail-free card when you're playing Monopoly. They're both pretty useless until you die or until you end up in jail, right? When you're playing Monopoly, you have the card. If you never land in jail, have you been subtly disappointed that you never got to use the card? Right, like an insurance policy is just like, hey, listen, I've got this in case something bad happens. And so as long as nothing bad happens, I'm okay. That undersells the value of the resurrection. And so have a look at what Paul has to say about the resurrection. So I think when we begin to look at the resurrection, when we consider the implications of the resurrection, we can then think a little bit differently about death. Because for Paul, resurrection has a future connotation, certainly, but it also has a present tense, present day, immediate implication. So if you have that text in front of you, it's still on your phone or you've got your Bible open, have a look again in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, in particular in verse 14 and 17. Because in verse 14, Paul says, if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. Our preaching is useless and so is your faith. Have a look in verse 17. He repeats it, but he, he expands on it just a little bit. 
And if Christ, sorry, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. Your faith is futile, but I want you to, I want you to pay attention to what part of the faith is futile. Because he does not go on to say your faith that you will be raised to life when you die is futile. He doesn't say that it's, it's your faith that you will be resurrected in glory, that you will be alive in heaven again. That's futile, although that may be part of it. Notice the part that he draws his, their attention to. He says, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. So from Paul's perspective, the futility, the futility of faith, if Jesus has not been raised, is not about what happens after you die, but it's what's happened right here and right now. If Jesus has not been raised from the dead, it's not so much a matter of like, you don't get to go to heaven, it's that you are still in your sins right now. Paul connects the work of the cross with the work of resurrection. Right? The work of the cross and the resurrection are two sides of the one coin. You can't just talk about the cross because in the cross there is forgiveness of sins, as we're told in the, in the first few verses. But in the resurrection there is the assurance that we are no longer in our sins. Now, let me kind of flip the bushfire imagery for a moment. Uh, because Paul affirms for us in verse three and four, the kind of this creed that he writes, that Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures. I just want to pause for a moment to talk a little bit about sin. We don't talk about sin as much as perhaps we used to. Uh, and, and even when we used to talk about it, I'm not sure that we had a very good vocabulary. Uh, and, and, but the more you understand and appreciate the variety, depth, width and breadth of sin, we won't appreciate the variety, depth, width, and height, or whatever one I mentioned before, of God's love, right? So let me just talk to you briefly about sin. Because sin is kind of an umbrella topic for lots of things. You perhaps heard of sins of commission, where we have done things or we have said things that should not have been done or should not have been said. I'm not gonna ask for a show of hands about how many have seen that in the person sitting next to them, um, right, right? <laughs> sins of commission or there's sins of omission, where we did not do something that should have been done, where we did not say something that should have been said and in so doing we have sinned. But the Bible has more terminology for it, right? Uh, you ever, have you heard the phrase, missing the mark? My intentionality is to hit the target. I intended to do so, but I didn't. I missed the mark. Well-intentioned or otherwise, I have missed the mark and sinned. Or fallen short, have you heard that language? I intended to kind of get there, I intended to cross the finish line, but I actually, I fell short. I fell short of what I was called to do, and in so doing, it failed. I've sinned. Or there's the sin of folly, where I decide that I can figure out my life on my own, and so I basically go around making up my own decisions, and many of those end up being sinful decisions. Or the sin of ignorance. Anyone else got a speeding ticket for a, a zone that went from 70 to 40 and you didn't see the sign? Your ignorance will not get you off the hook. You were ignorant and you sinned. 
And that's long before we get to the sins of wickedness, where we are deliberately doing things that God is displeased by. Or rebellion, which is perhaps worse, where we know what we ought to do and have purposefully said we're not going to do it. All of this and more, all of this and more is what Christ died for. And until we understand and appreciate just how sinful we are, we A, don't appreciate what Jesus has done for us, but we also don't recognize the need for resurrection. And here's where I want to try to to bring these ideas together. So the pink flannel flowers show up, and they remind us that they are a regeneration of a bush that has been burnt out. And we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus and we're reminded, of course, that his resurrection came after he died. And his death for our sins and his resurrection for our sins fit together. But if we start thinking about the resurrection as Paul talks about it here, where he says, because of the resurrection of Jesus, you are no longer in your sins. There is new life where sin has been at work then what has that sin done in our lives? Because the constant theme, the drumbeat of Scripture, is that sin in your life will burn your life down. It will burn your life down. But here's the thing, and I'm indebted to a biblical scholar named Robert Farrar Capon for this insight. It goes a little bit like this. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. I can bring back to life that which is dead in you. But the point that Farrar Capon makes is this. Until we are willing to acknowledge that we are dead, Jesus cannot raise us to life. Follow me on that? Until we say and acknowledge and confess, Jesus, I am dead in my sin, until we say that we're dead, Jesus cannot raise us to life because we haven't died yet. And think about your life. If the fire of sin rages through our life, and we know it will burn us down, don't we? We know it will burn us down. How much time and energy do we spend with spiritual fire hazard reduction? We dig big trenches around our lives to hope that the fire won't jump the containment lines. We do spiritual back burning to try to clear the undergrowth so this whole thing doesn't get out of control. We do all sorts of things to try to make sure that the fire doesn't leap containment lines and burn everything down, but we know it's there. And until we're willing to say, this fire will burn my life down, we will not experience the resurrected power of Jesus in those areas of our lives. And it is an exhausting way to live. Because I am forever trying to convince you that yeah, there might be smoke, but there's no fire. And aren't you doing the same? No, nothing to see here. Don't worry about the smoke. No, there's no fire. I'm good. I've got containment lines in place. We're fine. I did some back burning over the weekend. I went to church. Because our spiritual practices can become a tedious form 
of trying to maintain control of the fire, which is never what they were meant to be. Joining together with, with the people of God was never meant to be a burden to help us contain the fire in our lives. Reading the word and praying on our own was never meant to be a burden to try to contain the fire in our lives. They were meant to be expressions of freedom of those who've been welcomed into the new garden of God. But we spend so much time and energy trying to convince ourselves and everyone else, including Jesus, that we're okay. So thank you, Jesus. I'm looking forward to when I die physically, you'll raise me physically, but right now I'm good. Contingent lines are holding. Nobody's noticed that my life is on fire. But sin will burn your life down. It will. You may seem to have it under control right now. It will burn your life down. And the good news, the good news of Easter is that we can begin to experience the resurrection now. But what it requires from us is actually to acknowledge that there are areas in our lives that are burnt out. We need to acknowledge that there are areas of our lives that are dead because only when we bring that deadness to Jesus can he bring it to life. Only when we acknowledge that whole areas of our lives have been burnt out by sin can Jesus begin to do the remarkable work of regeneration in our lives so that eventually our lives, our hearts, begin to look like the garden of God. And our lives become an expression of the place where God dwells with his people, walking in the garden in the cool of the day. So I don't know where you're at, but this is the good news of Easter. And I know, I know that it is possible to have been a follower of Jesus for a very long time and still spend a great deal of energy trying to keep the fire under containment. So whether you have been here as a part of our community of faith for a long time, you're visiting today, whether you have been following Jesus for a long time or whether you're only just beginning the journey of trying to figure out who Jesus is and what he's on about, you've come on a great day because this is what he's on about. He's on about resurrecting and regenerating our lives if we will have the courage to admit to him and confess to him that we are dead. And when we do that, he brings life but I want to give you an opportunity to pray with me. In a few minutes, I'm going to ask us all to be in an attitude of prayer. I'm going to pray for us, and I'm going to ask, so I'm just giving you some forewarning here, that if you want to confess an area of your life or several areas of your life or your whole life has been burnt out, I'm going to ask you to just kind of open your hands on your lap as a symbol of that. Everyone will have their eyes closed, so you can do that kind of in the privacy of your own space. I'm going to pray a prayer that's going to contain three things in it. One, an opportunity for us to just confess that there are burnt out areas in our lives. I'm going to give you a little bit, a little bit of space just to silently bring those before God. There might be an area of your life that you know is burnt out, 
that the fire has totally skipped the containment lines. It, it, it has just trashed an area of your life. Well, bring that to Jesus. There may be several. Bring them to him. Secondly, I want to ask that Jesus would begin the work of resurrection in our lives, regenerating us, regenerating that area of our life. And third, I want to pray that there might be some spiritual epicormic shoots in our lives. And all of you are saying, right, I was right with you until that. You've all, we've all driven past burnt-out bush, say about six weeks afterwards. Have you ever seen eucalypt trees and they just look fuzzy with green? Like they're super fuzzy? I always thought that was like, um, like vines or something that was taking advantage of the tree in its weakened state. In reality, what's happened is the epicormic buds or sprouts, which are buried deep inside the trunks of eucalypt trees, by the heat and the smoke, have begun to bloom. And they serve a very specific purpose. Because while the canopy might be burnt away and the trunk is charred black, these sprouts of green burst out of the trunk and kind of just kind of sit there, enabling the tree to photosynthesize the energy of the sun while the tree heals. And then, as far as I know, they fall away. They don't become the new branches on the tree. They burst out of, the, out of the trunk in order to enable the tree to heal. And then, slowly but surely, the bark regenerates. Slowly but surely, the canopy is restored. Surely and slowly, the tree is regenerated. The resurrected life is a journey for us. But I'd like to pray that through the grace of Jesus, there might be some epicormic growth in our lives. Little shoots that show up in the next day, in the next week, in the next month, that bear the promise of regeneration in every area of our lives. So I'm going to invite you to be in an attitude of prayer. Close your eyes and bow your heads. And if you would like to join me in that prayer, can I invite you just to open your hands and just lay them on your lap? An opportunity for us just to express in our bodies just a, a posture of willingness to receive. And allow me to pray for us. Lord Jesus, on this Resurrection Sunday, the day when, uh, perhaps above all other days, we remember your victory over sin, your victory over death, and the wonderful resurrection, the promise that it holds not only for our distant future, but also the hope that it holds for our immediate future. The hope that it holds that in reality we are no longer in our sins. That we can bring to you every area of our life that has been burnt out by the power of sin and all of its variety in order that you might raise us to life with you. We sang earlier, Oh, praise the one who paid my debt and raised this life up from the dead. Present tense, now, this happens now. So I want to invite you just to remain in an attitude of prayer. And if there is a, an area, an aspect of your life in particular, 
something that's been really burnt out that you are very aware of, can I just invite you now, just in your heart, your mind, to raise that to Jesus? Lord Jesus, we confess these things to you. We confess these areas of our life to you. We acknowledge that we have often spent far too much energy and time trying to, trying to hold it together rather than simply allowing you to bring life where there has been death. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you might bring your resurrection power to bear in those areas that we have just raised up to you. Be they big or small, whether they be recent or long-term, would you bring resurrection to those places? Would you bring them to life again? And I pray that in your grace and mercy, by the power of your Holy Spirit, you might reveal to us some of the early fruit, the epicormic growth in our lives, that we might see in the days and the weeks to come um, signs of your restoring and renewing power at work. Not the full picture, but promises of what you hold for us. And I pray that we might be people of the resurrection. People who fully appreciate and understand that uh, in your death and your resurrection, we are now free. We are no longer in our sins, but free to live the life that we were always meant to live. And I pray this all in Jesus' name, amen. What areas of your life do you need Jesus' resurrection power to be at work? Bring those areas to Him and allow the risen Lord to restore and renew what has been dead to life. Thanks so much for joining us again this week, and we hope that you join us again real soon, either by listening to this podcast or joining us for our Sunday services. You can join us at gbconline.org.au at 9.30 Australian Eastern Time, or visit our website at gaimiabaptist.org.au for our on-site service times. Until then, God bless. God bless.